for the message this evening, I'd like for us to begin by turning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Usually I find the most enjoyment out of preaching messages uh, concerning Christ, concerning the gospel. Uh, this evening I want to take a, a different, a different uh, topic, if you will, a different, a different message, and I want to consider who our adversary is, our, our main adversary, uh, the devil. If we begin reading in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I read this verse uh, just as a way of introducing the message and a recognition of the fact that the devil is real. And we are in a spiritual battle. And as soon as a person becomes a Christian, they become very much aware of the fact that they are now entered into spiritual warfare. And they, they, they wrestle with things, they struggle with things um, that are different. And um, I want to state some obvious facts as we begin to consider who it is that Satan is and just a few things about him. And I believe that the more we understand, the more you understand about your enemy, the more you're able to um, fight against him. And uh, first I want to make some obvious facts. Uh, Satan is a created being. Um, he is not a god. He is not God. Uh, he exists only with the permission of God. Right. He is not sovereign over the universe. God is sovereign over the universe. And so what that means is that Satan, as the highest of the fallen angels, is only able to do what God permits him to do. And that is very key in understanding who Satan is. The scripture in several places, um, uh, and P Peter mentions that uh, Satan is, or goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and so forth. And Satan is not something that we are to... We're to have respect for, we're to understand that we're in a battle, but we are not to be overwhelmed and distraught by this. We are to live a life of victory. I do begin this message with a little bit of caution. I think any time that we are, are speaking of these things, we need to have respect for what it is that we're talking about. And I'll use this verse as an as a example of what I'm talking about. In Jude 8... He says, likewise, also, he's speaking of false teachers and false prophets. He says, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominions, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not, so Michael the archangel durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but he turned it over to the Lord. And he said, the, Michael the archangel said, the Lord rebuke thee. But these, speaking back once again of the false teachers, these speak evil of things that they know not, but what they know naturally is brute beasts, and those things, they corrupt themselves. 
And so what he's talking about is there's these false teachers, ungodly men, who talk about angels. They talk about the devil. They talk about demons. And they talk about it in ignorant ways, in ways in which they do not know what they're talking about. I think it is sobering that it says that Michael the archangel durst not bring against Satan a railing accusation. But he turned it over and Michael the archangel just said, the Lord rebuke thee. And uh, if Michael the archangel can have that kind of attitude about Satan, then I think that we should be careful about whatever it is that we believe, whatever it is that we say, it needs to be just based on what the word of God reveals to, uh, to us. There's a lot of stuff out there in witchcraft. There's a lot of stuff out there in, um, in uh, concerning a lot of um, the dark side, if you will, that is the writings of men. It's, it's a lot of fantasy. There's even a, uh, um, uh, the Church of Satan uh, that, is, that is out there now. And um, there's a lot of stuff. The, the Word of Faith movement, the Charismatics, a lot of them, um, they say things like, they, they speak lightly of stepping on the devil's neck. Um, when the, you know, Satan comes against them, it's like they have no respect for Satan and they just speak lightly of how, oh, you know, I would just step on his head. I would just step on his neck and stuff like that. I've heard uh, messages of men talking like that. And I think that's really what um, Jude is making reference to is some of that. These false teachers speaking lightly. We're not to speak too lightly of things concerning Satan, but we're also not to speak too uh overemphasize and speak about it in ways that are more than what is real. What I want to focus on tonight is that Satan is reactionary in his behavior and always has been. So think about this. God is in control. And Satan, from the beginning, is reactionary. Mm. Um, When he tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, he did not know of the plan of salvation. Remember, God had a plan of salvation in place. He did not know of the plan of salvation for what would become Adam's fallen race. Adam, what what Satan knew was that Adam was created of God, and Adam and Eve, and he hated that. And so he was going to do what he could to try to destroy it. And so he deceived Eve, and uh, and then, but God in Genesis chapter three, it says. Um, and God, Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so, at this point, Satan learned some information that he did not know previously. And so, um, and indeed, he has been the enemy of Christ and the enemy of God's people ever since that time. In the Old Testament, we could read example after example of how Satan would use either use people to try to thwart God's plan, try to go against the nation of Israel. Um, we have an account in the book of Job about how God permitted Satan to go after Job, but he limited even how far he could go. And so I want to go turn to Matthew chapter 4. 
I just want to look at some ways in which we can see the limitations of Satan and how it is that Satan reacts to what God is doing. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, this is the temptation of, of Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 4, I just want to point out a couple things from this passage. In verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into that holy city, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So a couple things that I want to point out here as far as who... I'm, I'm pointing out that the devil is reactionary. Oh, um, Did you notice that Jesus was not led up into the wilderness by the devil to be tempted? It actually says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Remember, I'm trying to emphasize that God is a sovereign God and that the devil doesn't do anything that is outside of what God would permit. And it was part of God's eternal plan in allowing Jesus to be tempted of the devil. And we see in this passage, we see who Jesus really is. He's not susceptible. Satan came to him at the end of 40 days of fasting. When he was at his weakest point physically, and what was the first thing that he tempted him with? Turning these stones to bread, (laughs) right? We watched the show alone uh, quite a bit. In fact, we watched every episode of every season, and uh, we binge watch it. And it's really a starvation show. I mean, it's really demented. They put these people out there where there's no food, really, and then they put them out there, not in the spring when things are going to begin to grow. No, they put them out there at the end of the year when all this, everything is dying and freezing and so forth, and then the lakes, they can fish for a while, but then it freezes over, and it just becomes miserable. And it's really just an endurance of seeing who can starve the longest. And, uh, but what you, what you end up realizing in that is that Dude, for those of you who have watched those kind of shows, the longer they go without food, don't they begin to change emotionally? Mm-hmm. Grown men breaking down and weeping. They begin to long for their family if they have family. And, and all these things as they're suffering and doing without food messes with the natural man in, a, in, a, in an emotional way. He's not in his right mind. And what we, can, what we see here is that Jesus improving who he was as the son of, yes, he was man, but as the son of God. Forty days he had been in the wilderness without food. 
and he had been fasting. And, um, and then that's when it says, and afterwards he was a hungered. He was extremely hungry. And then it says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And so Jesus was led of the spirit of God into the wilderness, not the devil. The devil came when, he, when Jesus was at his weakest. When he tempted Christ, he did not know exactly how Christ would respond. Otherwise, what's the point of putting a temptation out there if you know that it's not going to work? And if you know that Jesus is going to be able to refuse you and he's going to use the word of God. No, he came to him with the normal temptations of man. And oh, with him in his weakened state. And when he tempted Christ, he did not know how Christ would respond. But when Christ did respond the way he did, did the devil give up because he was exasperated? Did the devil stop tempting Jesus because oh, he just saw, man, there's no way. There's just no way that he's ever going to break. No, what we see here is uh, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth concluded the temptation. Jesus stopped the temptation. And he stopped it by saying, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And it says, then the devil leaveth him. The devil didn't give up. He left because Jesus told him, he tempted him three times, and finally he, he Jesus was done with it. He was done with him. And he said, get thee behind, he said, uh, oh, get thee hence, Satan. In other places he said, get thee behind me. But he says, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So who's in control? Jesus Christ was in control. Satan doesn't even light a candle to our Savior, who, who Jesus is. Doesn't even light a candle. We know, remember the, the demon-possessed man of the tombs who it says he had a legion? And when Jesus approached the man, they cried out and said, Art thou come, are you come to torment us before our time? They recognized Jesus for who he was as the Son of God and that he had control over them. And notice in that statement, are you come to torment us before our time? That means that they, knew, they know what their destiny is. They know that it's a losing cause. And they recognized him for who he was and that he had the power at that time. He, they knew that now is not the time. They know it's in the future. But they said, are you come to torment us before our time? They knew Jesus had the power. And remember what happened there is they, they asked can you just cast us out into the swine? And so Jesus permitted that they be cast out. But Jesus had control over them in that situation. Well, Jesus has no less power over Satan than any one of his fallen angels. He's a creative being. And so um, when Satan entered Judas Iscariot, the betrayer of Christ, just before Christ was crucified, Satan did not know exactly how the end of those actions would result in his own defeat. John 13, 26 says, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. This is as far as who would betray him. And uh, when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. 
And after he gave it to him, after the sop, it says, Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. But Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed. And Jesus, it wasn't until after he gave the sop, the bread that he had dipped, until he gave that to Judas, it says, after that, Satan entered into him. Jesus was in control of the situation, but he permitted Satan to do what he was going to do. As the enemy of Christ, the last thing that Satan would have wanted would have been for Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Remember, John the Baptist came declaring, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. He would not have wanted him to die on the cross and shed his blood for our sins, be buried, and rise again the third day. He should have wanted Jesus to die of old age or anything else. But Jesus came into the world to die for sinners. And Satan is not in control of everything. And so he is the enemy of Christ. He was instrumental in what played out. But it was all according to God's plan. And so Satan was subject to fulfilling prophecy in the betrayal carried out by Jesus. Jesus, concerning the resurrection, it was Satan's intent that Jesus be killed. And several attempts had been made on his life before this point. But Jesus had told a Concerning how he would die, Jesus had told Nicodemus in John 3.14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus had spoken of his own resurrection. As recorded in Matthew 12, he says, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so, Satan is not ignorant of the Word of God. Satan is not ignorant about... uh, He was not ignorant about so much of this. (laughs) But yet, it was still his desire to... He's so much the enemy of Christ, it was his desire to destroy Jesus Christ. And so um, he was defeated. Satan, I want us to consider a few things. Satan does not know who God's elect are before they're saved. When the saints were being persecuted and killed in the early church, Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. He ascended. The church began to function. The gospel's being preached. He's opposed to that. And so... Saints began being persecuted and killed in the early church. When that was going on, Satan did not know that it was going the church was going to, that the gospel was going to spread like wildfire. He did not know it was going to backfire on him. But the first thing when we're considering how he's reactionary, he killed Christ, he failed, he rose from the dead. He ascended. What's left? He can't go after Christ anymore. He's not here. He goes after God's people. 
That's what he's always done. He goes after what's available to go after. And so he goes after the church. He goes after the people of God. But it backfires. And it was as a result, if you're reading the book of Acts, it says upon the, when Stoven, Stephen was killed, it says upon the persecution and Saul breathing out threatenings against the church and the church um, left Jerusalem. And it says, and they went everywhere preaching the word. But they went everywhere preaching the word because they were fleeing persecution. It backfired. And so consider how Satan was using Saul to persecute the church. He was the primary persecutor, the, the man who was leading it up. And then he became, <laughs> Satan did not know that Saul was going to become the Apostle Paul. And so when he became the Apostle Paul, then he began to be persecuted. And everywhere he went, Satan was trying to get, you could go through all the accounts, we know what the story is about how Paul was persecuted time after time and arrested and all the things that happened to him, beaten and stoned and so forth. But he did not succeed in that. When the physical attack on the early church did not succeed, we know history, the church spread. In spite of all the horrific persecutions in the first, second, third century, it spread. And so, when you can't kill them, when you, can't, when you couldn't kill the church, can't kill all the saints, then began the introduction of false doctrines. Then becomes heresy, enters into the church. The scripture says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times shall, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to... Notice this, this is in the, in the church. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. <clears throat> False doctrine has an origin. It's a doctrine of devils. It's false teaching. Right. It's, just, it's as false as, as paganism or any other false religion that is invented. And so it has, it has an origin, and so that has been one of, one of his means. Down through history, the church continued to succeed. The church continued to grow. And so down through history, there has been an attack on the written word of God. You introduce false doctrine. Next, you attack, well, if the people of God don't have the Bible, if they don't have anything to preach, because it's true. If we did not have the Word of God, we have, without the Word of God, we have nothing to base. Right. I mentioned this morning, this is not a religion like a lot of forms of paganism and other religions that are tradition. It's tradition passed down from grandpa to grandchild and so forth, and, it's, and, and it morphs and it changes over time. But the Word of God has remained the same. What was written in the Old Testament has remained the same. People haven't come in and edited it. And the New Testament that was given um, in the first century, it is what it is. <laughs> and oh, But Satan has tried to and has attempted to destroy the Word of God. That has been done literally through physical means. Collecting, going into homes and seizing the Bible... Back in the day, they would. Now it'd be really hard to do this because there's so much on, you know, digital, digital now. But back when all people had was the written word of God on paper, they would go into homes, everywhere that they could find, they would go in and try to at different times governments or 
uh, different aspects of religion would go in and try to take the Bibles and they would go out and literally at times they've gone out and, and burned them. And, uh, um, and that didn't work. Taking it from the people didn't work. Um, translators have literally lost their lives. People like Wycliffe and so forth and John Huss and, and people who were literally working on translating the Bible, getting it so more and more people could have the Bible, they literally died for the work that they were doing. And so Satan doesn't stop, but he's reactionary. When one thing doesn't work, he tries another thing, and he tries another thing. And Now what we do have to recognize is that he's never going to stop. The attacks will always keep coming, generation after generation. It will will keep coming. When the destruction of the Bible physically didn't work, burning it didn't work, killing the translators didn't work, the next step is to dilute the Word of God. And so what do we have today? If I have an app on my phone, uh, you know, Bible Gateway, and when you go there, and you have to pick a translation. And I sit there and scroll. I mean, good grief, they're all alphabetical, but the number of translations is, is amazing. I haven't taken the time to count what's just on that app. But it's ridiculous. And I have checked out some of them. And it, it's, it's not even, there's some that are relatively close to what we have, but some of them are, it's like a, storybook for 10 year olds i mean just dilute it down and dilute it down and dilute it down until people don't know which bible is really the right one satan also creates new religion new religions every day there's new religions being created it's amazing when you consider in the 1800s even forms of christianity how many different forms of christianity sprang up The Jehovah's Witnesses didn't exist until the 1800s. The Mormons didn't exist until the 1800s. The Church of Christ didn't exist until the 1800s. There's just like the Seventh-day Adventists didn't exist until the 1800s. And it's just, it exploded. And what's amazing to me when we're considering doctrines of devils, some of these main religions that are invented were invented, I think, uh, um, Joseph Smith was the key figure in inventing Mormonism. Um, He created all that. I think he died at the age of 35 or 38. He died before the age of 40. And you think, how how is it physically possible? (laughs) How motivated does a person have to be as a young person to, I mean, and he began this in his early, early 20s, but to invent a religion takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of right. Takes a lot of daydreaming. You know, he went out and he found this. These, you know, found some stuff and he saw visions and all. I mean, all these come up with all, this whole religious system all by the age of thirty-five. How's that physically possible? Well, one of the ways in which these things are possible is when you understand that new religion, new religions, Islam, created by one man, one generation. How's that possible? Well. Doctrines of devils. There's some influence involved there. And so, um, the attempt to stop the gospel continues and will continue. And although Satan will not stop, nor his servants. uh, And although Satan will not stop, neither will his servants stop. The hatred of God and the battle that wages on is vicious. And it will get worse in the days to come. 
But our God is the victor. Not just ultimately, but even now. Satan cannot prevent the success of the gospel. Satan cannot stop one of God's sheep, one of God's elect, one of those um, for whom Christ died. He cannot stop them from believing on the gospel. Let's consider timing. He does not know and understand the exact day of the coming of Christ or even the end of the world. I mentioned that the, the demons whom Jesus was dealing with, with the man of the tombs, um, they said, are you come to torment us before our time? They knew, they know that there is a time coming. But Satan doesn't know exactly when this is all going to take place. He's reactionary. He, he, he's learns things as he goes too. This is in God's time. Okay? And so, um, Matthew 24 says, Heaven and earth, this is Jesus speaking, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. This is speaking of the end of the world. Of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I want to consider how this is all going to wrap up. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. We'll conclude here with these two passages. I think it's important for us to consider what the end is. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his, arch- Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not, neither was there found place any more in heaven. And the great dragon, this is speaking of Satan, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world, was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice in saying, in hev- saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their own lives until the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil is come down unto you. This is during the great tribulation. Having great wrath, and then notice this. It says, because he knoweth, that he hath but a short time. So when, th- when this happens, he knows he has but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast out onto the earth, he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. And, the wo- and, the woman, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly in the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and a times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood of the woman, after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. But notice how it ends in the next in a. Uh, Revelation, oh, go to Revelation uh, chapter 19. So in that passage, what we really notice is that 
Satan knows that he has but a short time. And then um, he begins to really all out, full assault, um, go after the people of God. In Revelation 19, though, it says, and I saw... 1919, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These were both cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth." And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And then go on to chapter 20 in verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, this is the Antichrist, neither his image, neither had received a mark in their forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years are finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go to deceive the nation. So see, he doesn't stop even after a thousand years of being kept in this pit and in a place of torment. It says he's loosed and will go out once more and deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went upon the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night. Forever, This is the final conclusion. This is when, I mentioned those demons were saying, are you come to torment us before our time? This is the final demise of Satan and fallen angels. Is their um, existence, continued existence, but it will be in the lake of fire and brimstone, and they shall be tormented day and night forever. A sobering thing for us to consider is that the lost, those who have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, have the same future in front of them as Satan. Yes, right. I mean, that's a, so, that's a sobering thought. The words of Jesus Christ in Matthew twenty-five forty say this, And the king, he's speaking of himself, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of one of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. And notice this. Into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The the place where those who reject Christ go is the same exact place that was actually prepared for the devil and his angels. See, everybody wants to believe in heaven. 
right? If you go out, if you were to go out and do a survey and ask people if they believe in heaven, I think uh, what happens to you after you die? I mean, people even believe in heaven for their dog. You know, their pets die, and they talk about them going to heaven. I mean, everybody goes to heaven. And a lot of people, when you ask them if they believe in heaven, and well, why, why, should, why do you believe that you will go to heaven? Where do you, do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? Very few people actually say, oh, I believe I'm going to hell. Everybody believes that they're going to heaven. But why? What do you base it on? And um, the thing is, is people want to believe in a heaven, but they don't want to believe in a hell. They don't want to believe in a a lake of fire that burns forever and ever. And they think it's good. It's okay for Satan to go there and the devils to go there. Well, they're evil. They're wicked. Well, so are lost people. People who have not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, all they have is their life of sin that they lived. And the destination is the same. You can't go to heaven because you haven't been forgiven of your sin. And so... It's a sobering thought as we can, as we can uh, conclude this, uh, this message. One of the things is we consider who Satan is. And yes, as Paul said in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and so forth. But we have to rest in the fact that God is in control. And God is in control, not just partially, but God is in control of all of his creation. And the only thing that happens is what he permits to happen. I want to close with this verse. Uh, Luke, Luke chapter 10 and verse 17 says, his, his, uh, his disciples, the 70 that he had sent out, they had been, uh, they had been out preaching. They returned to Jesus and uh, they, they give a report. And it says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Luke ten seventeen. And they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the, devils are, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, he's talking to these specific apostles, okay? Now, if you go out there and think that you're just going to pick up a scorpion and nothing's going to happen, or you go play with rattlesnakes, uh, some bad things are going to happen. He's not talk- this is what he's talking to them specifically, okay? But he says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do those things? But notice what he says, notwithstanding, so I've given you this power, but he says, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I love that passage because it gives us what, as we were talking about this morning, um, in some ways it it kind of wraps up that thought of what we were started off the day in Sunday school. uh, We're encouraged to or commanded, in everything give thanks, yes. right? In everything give thanks. And he says here that, yes, I've given you power, and it's wonderful, and, and it's an amazing thing. But don't rejoice in this. Rejoice in that your names are written in heaven. When you consider, and every single one of these people had to be born again, in order for them to be at that point, every single part, they, they were all lost at one point. They were all on their way to hell, 
just like the devils that they're casting out were, are. But what he tells them is, rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. And that's where I find peace and joy in, is knowing that there was once a time where I was headed for the same place as the devil, and I deserved it. But I can rejoice because I know that my name's written in heaven, because I've trusted in the Lord for my salvation. All right, let's go ahead and stand and close in a word.